Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello, yes, welcome to Broken Records, a brand new solo podcast from the Right Act Network. It's me, Stephen Hill, from said podcast. It's Renfrey Deadman, also from said podcast, back again for episode 32. How are you doing, Renfrey? You're all right. I'm very well. Uh, I was about to say very excited for what we're about to talk about, but I'm not. That would be a terrible no. lie. Complete lie. No point beating around the bush no. is it really this is not it's not really ever going to be that many times in the show where we go oh i'm so excited no. to talk about this record because this is the show uh, where we search for the worst record ever made in history ever we have a bunch of albums a massive shitload of albums a big list um all albums featured on this show are compiled from reputation your suggestion Maybe you've got an album that you want to hear us talk about uh, that you really, really hate. If enough of you do that, we will consider it. It's critical standing. It's reaction from the fans. Maybe it's a reaction from the band. Maybe something happened afterwards to turn this record into a bloody nightmare. Um, It's all, as I said, part of the Riot Act podcast network. Usually, every Friday, Renfrey and I sit down and review some of the best music in uh, all of the alternative spectrum. On a Friday, that's at Riot Act. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast, where you can sign up to listen to us talk about a bunch of albums that we like. But that's not really what this show is about. Uh, This week, we are going to be talking about the second studio album by the Buffalo, New York-based pop-punk band Cute Is What We Aim For. The album is called Rotation, and it was released on the 24th of June, 2008. But before we do that, we have a big old list of records in descending order from the very very best which is kind of all right to the very very worst which is very bad indeed and it goes a little bit like this all the way down starting at the top bob dylan self-portrait is followed by lou reed and metallica's lulu metal machine music by lou reed the self-titled album by liz fair lauren hill's mtv 2.0 unplugged standing in the spotlight by dd king the transform man by william shatner van halen three black and white rainbows by bush primitive call by mick jagger results may vary by limp biscuit umaguma by pink floyd what the by black flag streets and sky by the enemy one by dirty vegas razor light razor light famous first words by viva brother lincoln parks one more light the truth is by theory of a dead man louis the 14th slick dogs and ponies the cosmos rocks by queen and paul rogers United Nations of Sound by Richard Ashcroft. The soundtrack to the best film ever made, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Eoghan Quigg's self-titled debut album. Graveyard Classics Volume 2 by Six Feet Under. Blood, Sweat and Towers by the Towers of London. Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman. Blood on the Dance Floor's Bad Blood. Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem. Uncle Cracker, Double Wide, sits at number two. And still remaining at number one for a record however many weeks. I'm not a fan, but the kids like it by broken side broken side of course a band who got big on myspace didn't they renfrey all yes. the good bands get big on myspace 
apparently. Everyone like millionaire, broken side, job for a cowboy, and these lot. Cute is what we aim for. Another band that got big on MySpace. They formed in 2005, and by the end uh, of that year, going into 2006, they are said to have had over 10,000 friends on MySpace, despite only having released a bunch of demos versions of songs and only being in their teens. And one of them would have been Tom. One of them would have been Tom, yeah. <laughs> so 999,000 <laughs> real fans and Tom. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, um, that's a, why? Go on. Why? Why, have, why were that many people interested in this band based on demos alone? Well, this is what we're going to find out, isn't it? Rick? Well, I don't... Why, I, why we're, why we're here. Oh, I don't I'm think not we sure are. We are. Gonna find out. <laughs> I'm not actually sure we are going to find it out. Um, but just... I think we sort of mentioned MySpace a little bit before and because there's not really a lot to talk about on this particular band or this particular album to be perfectly honest we should probably go wasn't it weird the bands did get really big when they clearly weren't ready to get big on MySpace it wasn't even that some of them were shit it was just that a lot of them you know just you are not really ready you're not evolved enough to have got to a place where thousands of people should be turning up to see you because you, you know you're you're not ready for that yet and yeah. i think it you know it was a problem for a lot of bands like legitimately i have to say the myspace spoon kind of passed me by a little bit because it sort sort of started around mid 2000s didn't it and i was a drama student yeah. with all right don't show it, off. <laughs> well i was about to say with intermittent internet access at that point so mm. i wasn't really like i i wasn't i certainly there was very little new music I was searching for, and if I was searching for it, I certainly wasn't looking for it through MySpace. And mm. then even as it continued and I moved to London, I still kind of initially had, you know, very limited access to the internet. So I think, like, it it, it did pass me by quite a lot, but when I go back and listen to those bands and people, I don't know, BuzzFeed do it, oh, like, 10 best MySpace-era bands kind of yeah. listen to them i just go this is fucking shit i don't get it at <laughs> yeah. all i like... was i was on myspace uh <clears throat> i was doing stand-up comedy um back then it's when i sort of first started and the big thing was to have you get gigs i used to get a lot of gigs through my myspace page mm. i think it ba- i think bands did as well yeah I, I definitely so i mean i i mean there's no way that i was anywhere near as successful as um cute as what we someone like cute well no no i wasn't i mean i absolutely wasn't or job for a cowboy or broken side or any of those bands who mm. kind of were the kind of definitive um myspace bands but certainly it was a very useful tool if you were just starting to put it. but again i i mean there was at one point through myspace i got a gig as a very green stand-up comic with uh homage lily um shappy nice. sandy craig campbell uh lenny henry and wow. Lee Mack all on the same night and me and because of and I got that on my MySpace page holy shit because people well, were like go. oh he he must be good like, it's like no I'm not re-, and I was not ready for it yeah. I was still better than Lenny Henry I do maintain <laughs> that uh, <laughs> but, it was, but kind, um, it was kind of one of the original social media platforms I guess and because yeah. it was very much like music was a big part of it it was a big mm. rather essential part of MySpace and I think that that attracted a certain kind of crowd um which generally, like in theory, was a good thing. It's just unfortunately the music that a lot of those people were making was not great. Yeah, it, it was a funny one, wasn't it? I mean, I suppose when you're young and you just come across something which is weird sounding, 
uh not that i think you thought we aim for are weird sounding at all to be honest but there were you know not the slightest death deathcore like job for a cowboy were were the one the de- job for a cowboy were the one that i when i first went oh fucking hell, this band have got big on my space because mm-hmm. they got the front cover of terrorizer mm-hmm. um off the back of the doom ep yeah and you know that would have been a really weird thing for you know so i think kids would have heard that and gone oh that's weird and obviously we've spoken about broken side a fair bit um there are others but it usually tended to be something which was quite fantastical and odd and yeah not necessarily good but just very odd sounding well Um, i think that's what it ushered in didn't it it ushered in things that labels were a little bit too afraid to take a risk with yeah uh because you know the myspace bands could bypass that and then i think you know there were a few that really resonated with people um mm. i've never really been that bothered about any of them but you know there were there were some that resonated with people as a result of that and i think that's i mean that's largely the um the momentum the music industry's taken ever since i mean 100 gex would never have gotten on a label i don't think in like the mid 2000s definitely not <clears throat> almost, uh, almost certainly not i think it's fair most, to say most labels would have just heard it and i mean similar to me to be honest just gone what the fuck is this this is just noise you know so yes your uh your famously um g- good ear for commercial uh accessibility <laughs> <reference>. <laughs> um the other thing this is a, i mean if you think myspace sounds like a relic from a bygone era uh the band's guitarist jeff now i don't want to say your name wrong jeff if you're listening but jeff cum <laughs> <K-zum. laughs> jeff cum uh, it's <laughs> c-z-u-m <laughs> some 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 kind of monster yeah <laughs> uh has said that a uh, lot of this was down to the the help of the street team of long forgotten emo chances hawthorne heights now fuck me you think about how sort of antiquated myspace sounds yeah street teams do you, do you, if you're too young or if you don't know what you're on about uh can can i i can't i don't even know how to explain a street team street like, teams, help, help me out yeah? street teams were uh fans who would get in touch and with with a band or with a, with um you know someone that they could contact through the band uh who in exchange for promotion stuff like for example giving out flyers to a gig uh or something like that they would get I don't know guest list or something like that. Mm. They mm-hmm. might get, might get an opportunity to meet the band potentially. Um, yeah. It might see be... people with loads of stickers of like yeah. Roadrunner sticking them on signs and stuff. Yeah, sort of generally being a bit annoying. But um, yeah, I mean I like music a lot, but I never I never got to like you know street team level. Was anyone Spine Shanks street team or anything? Like I that, considered you know? applying a few times, but it never actually happened. For who? I can't remember. I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're just embarrassed because it was Liberty 37. <laughs> and I said, no, no um, I don't know. I think AFI had one and I was considering... Yeah, you wouldn't fit in with them, I don't think, with that crowd. <laughs> slim goths. <laughs> like, come bumbling along being like, oh, I wonder if they're going to play a 20-minute song tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, see, it was worth doing this episode <laughs> just for that. Uh, so they were childhood friends, essentially. Uh, Keeps what we're going for, or they were anyway. They're not anymore. <laughs> um, 
By the end of 2005, the band had signed to Fueled by Ramen Records, <clears throat> home of music releases from the likes of Lesson Jake, Fallout Boy, The Academy Is, and they released the album Rodeo and Picasso by Recover. Do you know that album? That is a fucking great album. No, I don't know that. Recover were kind of refused the sort of refused the sort of thing after refused okay um maybe a bit more kind of earing towards the emo post hardcore side of things rather than sort of straight up punk and weren't quite as heavy but um what's the opening song on that album it's called pardon the weight and it's really good Da-da-da-da, pardon pardon the weight really good uh yeah so that is good so good. yeah they, they signed to the fuel by ramen and, I'm going to say uh, I go am struggling to think of a band that I really care about on Fueled by Ramen. Although mm. I now feel like I might have said that and that might have been a silly thing to say. I think Jimmy World have had something uh, okay. on Fueled by Ramen. That, I've said they get a tick. You love, you love them. Love I'm fairly indifferent to less than Jake. Uh, oh, okay. Basement right. used, to, used to be on that. I'll give Basement it, but yeah, there's not many. No, I'm not that fussed by them. They seem like people get really their knickers in a twist about Fueled by Ramen. I'm not sure why, but they do. I don't really read the internet to know. Like, you know, when you sort of pop punk is quite a toxic, as we'll talk about in a bit, it feels like quite a toxic genre. This is really actually, we should say, it's kind of the first time we've gone into pop punk. We've done crunk core um, and we've done a bit of metal core. We've done new metal. Uh-huh. have we done anything i suppose we've, we haven't really done anything super glammy yet but this is the first time we've really gone into something kind of proper pop punky isn't it really on broken records yeah yeah probably yeah, yeah. i think so and i have to admit um i mean i kind of called them an emo band last um week although i realized that that's just completely and utterly me judging a book by its cover I think the combination of their name and also the kind the time that they came out, I I was under the impression that they were a very wet emo band, which is not really. It's far more pop punk than it is emo, isn't it? Mm. I think there's smatterings of emo here and there, but um, yeah, yeah, it's far more pop punk really. So yes, yes, totally agree. Yes, yeah, so we're kind of going into pop punk uh, for the first time on the show. We really. hate it and. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I hate it. So I'm trying to think of a, of a pop punk album because now all the good stuff has become skate punk. It's like metallic hardcore, isn't it? You used to call Dillinger and uh, Poison the Well metalcore, but you don't call them that anymore. You call them metallic hardcore so that you don't go, do you like any metalcore? Yeah, I do. And people go, boo, you like asking Alexandria. Um, so you just call it something else. So and that's sort of, I think, what's happened with all the good pop punk bands that we were growing up with hmm. pennywise used to be a pop punk band nerfx used to be a pop punk band hmm. now they're now they're skate punk so you don't have to say i like pop punk yeah i i i mean i guess because i grew up with them being pop punk bands i kind of still see them as pop punk bands but yeah certainly if you say yeah, me, yeah i do really yeah. yeah but if you say pop punk if a new pop punk act came out in 2021, it'd be very, very, very unlikely I'd be interested in it because it's really, mm. it really has changed to the point where the emphasis very much is on the pop rather than the punk. It's, um, uh, and it's also, you know, how can I put this in the nicest possible way? It's sort of for paedophiles, really, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's sort of mostly inhabited by, whereas Bad Religion was sort of, quite 
sort of nice um socially conscious gentleman who wanted to play punk rock now it's just sort of big man babies <laughs> trying to get into the knickers of 19 year old girls in the most but, i mean that's quite a bit of a generalization but i think you know, what... i do believe that of every single person in a pop punk <laughs> i think what assume that steve is trying to say just in a sort of lawyer point of view is that there are a surprising number of people who uh through time it has emerged within that scene happen to have problems with putting their dicks in underage people <laughs> No, I'm literally trying to say every single person in a pop punk band is uh, a, a, a sexy paedophile. A, a sexy paedophile. A sex offender. A sexual paedophile. Right. Good. Um, okay. That, uh, that shouldn't yeah. cause any problems legally. I don't. I just. Hey, look, it's my opinion. I think you can say it now, can't you? Probably. You can say, yeah. oh, that's just my opinion. And people have to go, okay. Uh, All right. So the debut album, The Same Old Blood Rush with a New Touch hit number 75 on the US Billboard Top 200, which I guess is pretty good for a band who were, you know, of, of that age. Uh, their original guitarist, Fred Kimato, left the band and then he came back and then they went back into the studio to record their second album with John Feldman, he of Goldfinger, who I suppose you'd sort of call a pop-punk band. Yeah, And I do like the first Goldfinger album a lot. You do? So, you know, that is the only one I would say that I really genuinely do like. And, um, you know, John Feldman obviously has produced pretty much all of these bands, hasn't he? Pretty much every single one of those bands have been produced by John Feldman. Yeah, there is. I mean, one thing that I will say for John Feldman is he does have a distinct production style, you know? He really he does, yeah. He absolutely does. Um, it's just one that I personally find very irritating and a little too shiny, I think, and a little very bit... shiny. Yeah, it's um, very shiny. John Feldman's production style, but it's but it's one of those things where it's a little bit like Nightwish, uh, in that I don't I don't really like Nightwish, but I couldn't honestly sit here and say that they were bad at what they do. I kind of feel the same way about John Feldman in in a production sense. I don't like it, but he's clearly very good at what he does. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he is. I mean, I think personally, I think he should know a little bit better. But maybe he's just been asked. Maybe he's decided to do that. I mean, there's a song on the first Goldfinger album where he talks about, you know, he says... um, you're asking who's Keith Morris. Yeah, you're punk rock. Where's your roots? You're a rocker. You're a biker. You're a punk rock. Then you're skate. Last week it was Zeppelin. Now it's Bad Brains. You're a fake. Mm. And it's about going, stop fucking coming into punk and not knowing your shit. And for him to say that in sort of his first album and then produce like Against the Current or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little bit like... That oh, song God. hasn't aged well when you put it up against his entire career, no. No. <laughs> Not yeah. at I suppose all. It's, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Me picking it out and going, I, I believed in you so much, John. And then within 45 seconds of it, you completely ruined it. But anyway, so John Feldman. John Feldman is the man at this. And by all accounts, uh, the band were a little bit nervous about going into studio with someone like John Feldman. Uh, Mm. Singer Shant Hakian, who I think might be 
the guy in this episode uh, felt the jump from the demos to a bloke who did every single big pop punk band in the world might be a bit too much of a jump but the rest of the band kind of convinced him uh, anyway apparently the studio sessions initially were not great with hacky Ann telling of how um how he felt feldman couldn't believe they were so unprepared for the studio the band went in with half finished songs by mm. all accounts just sort of half arsed undone bunch of songs um he said there's something to be said for spontaneity and i didn't want the songs written out when we got there which is again you know that's all well and good they wanted the kind of improvisational things that they believed that john feldman <clears throat> excelled at but again without the experience of being a band and without being um able as a musician to 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 really to do that with confidence to have not have worked that muscle to train that mm. part of your personality and your body and your mind and all of those things without having done that it's very difficult to just go oh we'll just improvise it and it'll be as good as you know prince or whatever do you know what <laughs> I mean? you can't you can't just do that can you well that stuff is very unlikely to come easily under those circumstances especially with the uh members changing I mean, the lineup of this band has changed so dramatically over the years. There have been, including the three current members, uh, 20 musicians. There have been 20 musicians that have gone through the mm. cute is what we aim for ranks in what, 15 well, it's years? Fi- it's 15 years. But they yeah. haven't been active for that those whole 15 years either. I no, think they've been active no. for maybe 12 of them or something. So, mm. I mean, that's mad quite a lot isn't it it's mad it's mad you know um yeah. i forgot what you said i, I yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> good um anyway they went away uh after a little while like they sort of had to go back and finish the songs properly came back with proper finished ideas and songs as they wanted them and that was cited it. the so, likes I'm, of i'm sorry, sorry you've on. reminded me of what you said um and there was i read about um apparently john feldman would be in the room they'd start playing him a song and then he'd just walk out of the room in silence which was a kind of they learned quite quickly was like a code for it's not good enough work on it and i'll be back in a few hours um it's like quite a rude it's quite rude <laughs> but it's also like it seems like a ridiculous understandable well, I mean, if you're dealing with children, um, you might as well treat them like children. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I... Are you suggesting that John Feldman should have put cues what we aim for on the naughty step? <laughs> well, there is a certain sort of laziness. I mean, if it's my if it's MySpace bands on the internet, on the naughty step... That's a big step. It's it? a huge step. That God, step is it's practically huge. practically the entire staircase. Um, but uh, <laughs> like you know, th- there is a there's a sort of laziness for a band, for, especially for a band like Cute is what we aim for, who don't strike me as a particularly experimental band in any way, shape, or form. You know, like their songs strike me as relatively easy to write for the most part and probably mm. pretty easy probably easier to write outside of a studio environment rather than in it so it really just sounds... probably easier to write than they are to listen to <laughs> to be honest to give you a little spoiler I think about how i feel about the album yeah i think they probably are um 
and it's kind of quite inconsiderate as well in terms of i mean you've got a label behind you who are paying for your studio time and i noticed like they were only meant to be in the studio for uh four weeks but it ended up being like three months or something you know yeah it's just yeah it's just a joke i mean like yeah talk about pizza you miss your hometown (laughs) or you want to get out of your hometown you do some whoa whoa yeah yeah, yeahs you know listen to enemy of the state that's what you want to sound do that (laughs) it's not hard is it i mean fuck me it's not hard and then you get to go on walk tour and ogle 14 year old girls in (laughs) tank tops you perverts (laughs) allegedly (laughs) anyway yeah um they went they came back and cited i mean you say they they're very simple songs that are quite easy to write but they cited the likes of the police the beach boys tom petty and the beatles as influences on these songs tom petty's the one that gets me the most I know. I mean, fuck? all of them are ridiculous. Really, really ridiculous. That is like go. That is like the director of Dude's Dude Where's My Car being asked what the big influence on his film was, and him saying, <laughs> "The Godfather." <laughs> saying, Citizen Kane and one flew over the cookies nest. <laughs> like <laughs> that analogy is so perfect. Like why? Why? <laughs> In what world? Tom Petty. The Tom Petty one is insane. <laughs> Tom it's Petty. insane. Um, no, no, it does sound like. Uh, uh, I can say, sort of gone for a sort of white album thing, haven't you? Sort of gone for a. <laughs> well, the cover's white, <laughs> predominantly. Sort of gone for a sort of pet sounds approach, haven't you, lads? <laughs> to turning up and strumming in front of away in front of john feldman <laughs> yeah. that's what brian wilson would have done or or <laughs> it sounds like a sanitized version of blink 182 <laughs> yes yes that's probably slightly or, closer. yeah or maybe mm. that's more accurate yeah mm. yeah uh i mean maybe they did have those influences and they just got curtailed completely because this is actually a bit like a john feldman solo album because he actually played percussion did the string arrangements played piano and did backing vocals on it so the poor cunt just got like it'd be like you know <laughs> you ever had really shit builders come around and he's got to put up a shelf or something and you go i'll fucking just screw them. they're sitting around and he's like, oh i'll fucking finish it get out that's kind of what i feel like john feldman's just like oh lads just get out of the studio i'll finish it i'll you go and i'll finish it for you um well he's got writing credits on seven out of 12 out of the 12 songs as well so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um maybe and also uh the aforementioned uh simato who left the band and then came back he had a william goldsmith jr style thing happen to him he of the food fighters Colour and Shape album, except not, um, where he tracked his parts and had them erased and replayed. Yeah. Presumably by John Feldman. I didn't know. Uh, Hakian said Kimata was not compatible. He wanted to, he wanted to do everything different for the band musically. Uh, I, they're weird ones, aren't they, when they talk about kind of uh, the classic, like, musical differences. Yeah thing I, I don't know how that flies with like a metalcore band or a, a pop punk band mm. it's such a nothing thing to say as well it's just like talk about like a really long unwieldy sentence with which has no actual content you know no no content whatsoever it's just mm. 
Yeah, which is kind of sums up their music, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, truthfully, and, and me and Steve, little peep behind the curtain, we did say this before covering this record. In, t- in terms of the music on this record, there isn't an awful lot to say, really, beyond it's a very shiny, very John Feldman-produced modern pop-punk record, really. Well, don't ruin the whole reveal of the entire show before we've even got to the fucking point the album's out yet. Well, half an hour. I've got not got a lot to say about it, and then you've just done the whole thing. But anyway. Well, I was going to so, say there's one exception, but all right, do you want well, me to get to that we'll later? To, yeah, when we talk about the album, we're still doing the build-up to it. Don't fucking, there's nothing to say about it. I mean, spoiler alert. So it started streaming through their MySpace, the album, on the 19th of June, before being released by Fuel by Ramen on the 24th of June. Ah, Renfrey. Um, the reviews of the record, uh, it seems to have been kind of fairly generally well received in some places. Uh, the Skinny gave it one star and said, ironically, on what might be the, the album's best track, Hollywood, singer Shant Hakian yearns for a time when singers wrote songs instead of hooks. Apparently, Hakian hasn't heard his own record, as the power pop hooks employed seem calculated to the point that you can already see the camera zoom as the band uh, zoom as the guitar hits, and he belts out lyrics like, "Are my eyes deceiving? Are you believing? If aiming for cute, uh, this band has struck cutesy, which leads them in quite a long way down the road from any credibility." Chart Attack also gave it, which I've never heard of. Chart Attack, no. that is such a fucking nice thing. Um, Maybe it's Neil Buchanan's pretty- job after. <laughs> <laughs> this is a chart attack this is a chart very... attack this it is, is chart attack <laughs> anyway chart attack said i got a simple planned song stuck in my head after listening to the album that's not even a joke there's nothing cute about four 20 something gap mannequins writing derivative pop to get laid by the girls in their dorm the girls in the dorm <laughs> Too old, too old for them. <laughs> the, uh, the, gap, the gap mannequins has tickled me. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Uh, Contact Music said the standout moment of this album is Hollywood, Latin flavored with flavors with splashes of trumpet and wonderfully infectious. It even shows the bands have something to say with a rant against modern day obsessions with fame and wanting to get away from it all. Whether or not that message gets through to the kids in their audience is questionable, and the chances are they'll enjoy rotation. But for those wanting a bit more depth to their music, this is not where to look. Uh, all music gave it two and a half out of five and said there's also the bizarre hollywood God, they, which oh. is the song isn't oh, it which is. pays homage to an apparent fantasy land where the west coast film hub was without scandal conflict superficiality or strife it was also a time when singers wrote songs instead of hooks begging the question as to why cute is what we aim for didn't try this for themselves it's an earnest effort like all of the songs on rotation but those with even a basic knowledge of hollywood history won't be able to resist rolling their eyes there are plenty of other examples that hint at the endemic endemic shallowness of this album but there's no need to cite them all confident uh, there's no need to cite them or to confidently assert that rotation is shiny, but ultimately unfulfilling fluff. Um, Killy Stereo gave it 53 out of 100. Which is, <laughs> fair enough. Um, Three out of five then. Yeah, uh, it said is uh, rotation is 40 minutes of unchanging and uninspiring emo rock that has been done 10 times better by 100 bands before. Just remember, if you buy this CD, you're probably paying for Ashley Simpson's next nose job. Uh, Ultimate Guitar. This is unbelievable. Ultimate Guitar gave it seven out of 10. Wow. Because <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, if you were massively into guitar, 
You know, you'd love this. This is the band. Um, uh, Overall, if cute is what we aim for, keep creating records like Rotation and The Same Old and continue to add songs to their already strong back catalogue of tunes, they have the potential to one day lead the genre carved by... uh, Lead the genre carved by label mates Panic at the Disco and Fallout Boy. Um, I can't find any of the reviews from Kerrang, Rock Sound, or Alternative Press, who are the kind of bigger ones, so I don't know what they said at all. But it did hit the Billboard chart in its first week of release. It peaked at number 21. And number 9 in the Alternative charts, it also sold 23,000 physical copies on its first week of release. That is pretty impressive, I have to say, for a band who, uh, you know, on just a nothing kind of myspace band only a couple of years before you have yeah. to give them like well done well done. i mean you know i was gonna say you have to give them credit you're not you don't get credit because someone bought your album like oh well done you somebody bought your album like but you know those are those are impressive well numbers done. they're impressive numbers yeah. undeniably they're impressive numbers. uh they're also baffling uh <laughs> completely <laughs> they are um, but they are impressive numbers as well impressive and um baffling yes uh that is fair so our verdict on the album Renfrey uh rotation by cute is what we aim for we've kind of already said it <laughs> and i think this is we're gonna be clocking off for this week's podcast <laughs> quite soon we will be clocking off early i think yeah, there's not a lot to say but what do you think of this record it's all right <laughs> okay thanks very much guys we'll see you next week no i mean look i mean it's completely nutly not for me uh it's not my style or genre and you know as i've already said i think john feldman's a really talented producer but he's talented in uh in a in a style that i'm not interested in but you know sometimes we talk about records that are actually broken on here as you know broken records like uh when mm-hmm. we talked about Jorgen and like how cheap and plastic that record sounded you know in its production and you know this record doesn't have any issues like that uh it sounds really good you know um it's the john feldman thing but it does it does i don't think anyone could say that it sounds bad you know um but it's just kind of uh process to within an inch of its life and feels very safe um and Mm. not particularly exciting um and i mean it was quite interesting hearing all of those reviews point out hollywood as the song i mean for me there isn't anything on the album that really stands out at all as like a highlight it's all and to be honest with you i don't think there are some brief experiments here and there with like extra um instruments and stuff like that but it's all sort of presented in such a kind of beige way that none of that really registers with me when i'm listening to the record hmm Hmm. i mean so so um here's what i think uh uh, this is a, a pop punk album and they all sound the same to me, pretty much. Like, broadly, they kind of all sound exactly the same. Maybe because one bloke produces all of them. Mm. I don't know what it is about this particular record that has had such a negative reaction from people. I mean, mm. it it's not good. No. And I don't really like it. I think the the, the second song, Doctor, 
is quite catchy. It's got a bit of grit to it as well. Also mm-hmm. had some brass in the background. Gives a bit of a sort of an offspring re- meets Ricky Martin feel to it. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, navigate me with your body is one of the lines on it that I went, mm. Ooh. That, that, I mean, that's that's, that's, that's from, a red flag to me, mate. That's from the song Nav- know Navigate Me, but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a song called Do What You Do, which seems to sort of the start of it seems to try and ape Won't Get Fooled Again by The Cure, uh, by The Cure, by The Who, sorry, um, but then just kind of bottles it and goes into some sort of typical all time low shite. <laughs> um, he says, I've got a machine inside my body. He's like, all right, T1000. <laughs> um, it's not very good. But at least that I was like, oh, you know, it shows a little bit of a nod to something else that isn't good Charlotte. If T1000 you know? was in a band, he would not be in this band. <laughs> definitely, He'd be in Fear would. Factory. <laughs> of course he would. Yeah. Uh, there's also a song called The Lockdown Denial, which sounds like it should be on fucking Van Morrison's new album. <laughs> it's like, that cunt who married Billy Piper is his theme music. Lawrence Fox. That's his theme tune. <laughs> The one I was and like, o- well, that's very ahead of its time. Yeah, I was going to yeah, the one and only time uh, Cute is What We Aim For proved to be pro- prophetic on this record. Yeah, uh, rather than pathetic. <laughs> uh, Hollywood is the song that everyone keeps talking about. And I've got to be honest with you, Renfrey. I actually think it's all right. Oh, wow. You know, I th- I think a song about the good old days, the age of innocence, that kind of wishful thinking that there was a golden era of glitz and glamour in Hollywood, no matter how true or untrue yeah. or accurate or whatever that, that is, I think the sentiment of it is actually fine. And there's a kind of scar thing going on. It's sort of pop punky and mm-hmm. anthemic. And then they put a little scar bit on it, which isn't really that great, to be honest, but it's a bit different. And there's a little rap bit in it, which is actually far better than it's got any right to be at all. And it's quite catchy. And I think that's not really that much of a problem. And ultimately, that's kind of how I feel about the whole album. I just think pop punk sounds like pop punk Mm. and that's what it sounds like and it sounds like this and yeah you know it isn't very good but then i don't think this genre is very ambitious very artistically creative uh the the genre um the, the definition of what it is to be this is very small there is a very very large number of bands mm. due to the fact that it's, it it sells or sold such a high quantity of copy you know it's a very easy way to be, you could market this stuff quite easily mm-hmm. back, especially back in these days so it's a big deal so obviously there's going to be lots and more and more and more and more people doing it just like there was in post grunge second wave of grunge third wave of new metal late 80s hair metal you know, whatever you want to pick, whatever genre you want to, you want to pick, there's always this kind of Johnny Come Lately thing. Mm. And, you know, once something becomes commercially whatever. And they probably are that, cute is what we aim for. They yeah, probably, I would expect so. Yeah. You know, it's not like they, if they were teenagers in 2005, mm. then yeah, they grew up listening to Sum 41 or whatever. Mm. And they saw that those bands were massive. It's not like they were, I mean, even Blink-182, who I've got no, time for at all but i think at least when they formed they probably wouldn't have thought oh this feels like a really easy way to make lots of money because you know i think green day and all that stuff hadn't happened yet no so they probably yeah. couldn't have predicted that um whereas cute's what we aim for definitely could have but they're not the only ones you know they are absolutely not the only ones at all so why, why is this here the the only theory that um 
I was going to say I had, but actually it's a theory that you you sort of told me um, uh, when we came to do this record really is is just the sheer amount of personnel who have gone through the band and the fact that there seems to be uh, the vocalist at in the centre of it and, you know, he just can't seem to keep together a um, stable version of the lineup. There's actually two members, aren't there, who have been in it, like... Yeah. Oh. 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 Our mate Jeff Kazum. Kazum. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Shan Shan Hakian and Hakian. and Jeff Cum. Uh, they've both <laughs> been in the band for the majority of its of its time. Uh, Jeff Cum left. <laughs> well, my God, it's not that funny. Uh, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Well, you know, it's pop punk. We can laugh at the word <laughs> well, exactly. Cum, yeah, you know, this you song's know. about do- fucking dogs in the ass. Although this band isn't really that. Like, I think that's the other thing. There isn't really much of a sense of humour to them. No, it's quite serious, isn't it? Yeah, and a lot of the pop punk. I mean, it's weird because I often complain about the, you know, comedy pop punk songs, but 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 most of the pop punk bands that I listen to do have a sense of fun or a sense of humour, at the very least live, if not, even if it isn't in their material. Now, I, you know, I didn't see this band live, so w- what do I know? Maybe they're busting out the water cannons, um, but I, I just don't get the sense that this would be like... That, that's that's backstage <laughs> and they have a, a, an underage meet and greet. <laughs> 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 um but um i i i yeah i i can't imagine they'd be very fun live um no i can't to be honest no before we move on to like placings and all that sort of thing there is one track that i really i mean i found this record very yeah now that we're talking about it hollywood yes did have a few sort of orchestral bings and bands and bobs and bells Mm. and whistles didn't it but you know i'm still fairly fairly nonplussed about it um the untitled hidden track is effectively a sort of watered down neuters version of that song on the paper chase album uh, i don't even know if i heard this with the untitled oh mate the, the 42 seconds untitled is that, is that the end of time no no uh w- w- what are you listening to this on on spotify i've got it on spotify and it's 11 songs, 38 minutes. The last song is Time. Oh, no. Um, have I not heard something essential from no, this record? I, I, I would say this is one of the most interesting oh, yeah, things I'm going to talk it's, about. It's not on, it's not on Spotify. Cute uh, is what we're in for. Untitled. I'm going to Google it. Okay. This is, this is fucking boring for people listening, isn't it? Oh, I'm going to edit fucking all of this. Boring. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Here it is. I'll tell you what. You keep on talking and I'll listen to it. <laughs> all right. Okay. Watching Steve watch this song is really quite funny. He has a look of sort of semi-disgust, but intrigue at the same time on his face. Um, (laughs) This is clearly a song that he didn't hear uh, first time around. And he seems very, very puzzled by it, I would say. Bemused. What the fuck was that? (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck was that? So, <laughs> what the fuck was that? so when i say the one moment on this album which sort of i had a like raised eyebrow was with was that track because it sounds like a very neutered uh like 
watered down version of that song on the Paper Chase album with the night like that's basically yeah. made from scraping, scraping the... knives. Yeah. I mean this version uses scissors instead scissors. of knives. <laughs> but I was like I wonder if they listened to the Paper Chase and got that for that idea. Or I, I wonder if who knows. Noel Gallagher did something like that as well. I wonder if he listened to the Paper Chase. Oh, well, okay. Well, Feels unlikely, doesn't it? Probably not. Seems unlikely. Um, but I just thought, you know, I was like, oh, that's funny. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> really fucking weird thing for them to do. Because even though I'm being facetious when comparing it to the Paper Chase, compared to everything else on the album it really does stick out like a sore thumb in terms of experimental, doesn't it? Uh, yes, it does. I mean, I don't know if that is a good thing. No, I don't um, think it's a good thing. <laughs> it's, because cause it's I, I don't weird. Think, I don't think anyone is getting anything from, from that. Do you know what I mean? No. I'm not sure any of their fans are going to go, oh, good. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, do pop punk fans want experimental music? I don't... I don't think they do. So I, I don't think anyone needs that song at all. Like it's, but but you know, but I thought it was interesting at the very least. Um, and in fact, I wanted to mention it because it was one of the only things that I could talk about musically on this record. That I thought was vaguely yeah. interesting at all. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's true. It is. It is. It comes out of nowhere on on the end, and it's just yeah, some sort of harmonized vocals over scissors snippy snippy scissors and there's there's scissors in what on the right hand speaker scissors on the left hand speaker they do some quite nice things in terms of like swapping those over and stuff and but you know i like it's just like all right it's the only thing on the album john feldman didn't write (laughs) uh but i mean you know I think you're right. Though. The after I said, why is it here? The aftermath makes it make a little bit more sense. Mm. I don't think anyone likes Shant Hakian. Uh, yeah. Within 18 months of the record's release, pretty much everyone had left the band. Yeah, and not just the band had split up, but each individual <laughs> member, one by one, had decided that they no longer wanted to be in a band with this pretty guy. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, there is a uh, a quote that I found from one of them. Um, one of the others that says at the beginning of august i let shunt know i was leaving the band at the beginning of july mikey jeff some family friends and i sat down with shunt we told him the things that he needed to change as far as his attitude and demeanor goes i want to make it known that i shut him out of my life after that he needed to be on his own if he was going to do anything positive for himself there was not a visible change in his attitude or work ethic when i got back to buffalo so i decided to live out my own life um shunt then announced in august 2009 that he was going to go solo mm. and that cute is what we aim for and no longer a thing um bassist dave melio said that the split could be blamed on one person um hakian checked into rehab and when he came he actually announced after he came out of rehab that he was going to go solo um he got some new musicians in including former every time i die drummer mike novak and then he decided, after saying that he was going to go solo, he changed his mind and he said that actually it's his baby. Uh, he was he, he said it was his baby in an interview with Alternative Press. And um, he was going to be keeping the name and carrying on with Cute's What You Aim For because it was his thing. And he described this album, Rotation, as a cry for help. <laughs> 
I mean, I, there was nothing. To, we spoke last week about people kind of projecting emotional discourse onto music when it's not really there. Yeah. And we use Linkin Park's One More Light. Now, obviously, there was something very upsettingly, deeply troubling happening in Chester Bennington's world at that time for him to for his life to play out in the way that it did right mm. now i personally don't think that that bears much well as you said last week not really sure that that's got much to do with the album per se but i can see how people might look at it and do that if the guy who writes it is going i wrote this as a cry for help and you're going what the because you, you like hollywood <laughs> <laughs> like what where there's nothing where on it, like I didn't feel like this album communicated anything to me, let alone like something as desperate as a cry for help. It just, it just, it didn't. didn't. Incredibly cloaked in metaphor. (laughs) To say the least. If I went to you, I'm going to have some cornflakes. And you went, oh my God, I'm really worried about it. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Like. That's pretty much it. It'll be right the other way around. I, I saw that and I was like, I'm going to listen back. So I listened to it and I was like, did, 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 it's pop punk. And then I read that and put it in and then I listened to it again. And I was like, where? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where's this cry for help? This is not an emotionally, I mean, it's quite, an, it's not even an exhausting album. It's kind of, it feels like a fun, not even musically, but like everything about it. It's sort of, it's quite a playful sounding record and it is quite serious, but nothing in it screams to me. There's like, Oh God, I'm so sad. It's 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 relatively day glow, you know. It's yeah. uh, not not like in the sort of really Japanese sense of like really 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 happy happy sort of thing, but it, it is you know it does have a pretty bright breezy day glow feel to it. Um, I mean, there's yeah, there's no uh, there's one or two songs which are a bit sappy and saccharine as you'd expect from a band called q is what we aim for but they're just the usual kind of what sound like love lawn nonsense you know there's nothing mm. on it there's nothing on it which would make you go oh my god the person who created this is really in trouble you know nothing at all yeah so he announced in 2009 that he was going to be coming back as whatever on August the 18th, 2012, the band played an hour-long acoustic set with Hackian and Fred Chimato and Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Cum. And it was the first full band set for six years. And they announced they were officially making a comeback. It was actually going Jeff to happen. Comeback. <laughs> <laughs> the Jeff Comeback. The CZUM tour. The Kazomback tour. <laughs> If they didn't do that, they're fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> We're making a Jeff comeback. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, this one's gone to uh, pot a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But they left. They all. They basically Tomato left, um, sort of straight away. And it's just a fucking mess again, wasn't it? <laughs> just a fucking mess. And. Since then, they've had oh, quite a lot of quite a lot of bass players. They've had, I mean, in the in the years of fucking 
from 2009 when they had supposedly split up. There's a guy called Pat McLean who played bass from 2009-2010 when they weren't even a band. There's a guy called Tyler Long who played bass in 2013 when they didn't release anything. Yeah. I think they made some they had some demos. Yeah. A guy called Joseph White who also played in 2013 2000 into 2014 and then a guy called Joseph White uh, yeah, sorry, jo- yes, Joseph White, but 2013 into 2014. And then a guy called Seth Van Dusen. <laughs> but they got some mad names, this man. Uh, <laughs> there's a guy who played rhythm guitar for him called Clark Spurlock. That's a Chris Morris name, isn't it? I can honestly... That is like a... Pro- <laughs> Brass Eye, let's throw the Clark Spurlock. Um, <laughs> Seth Van Dusen has been in the band for seven fucking years now. They still haven't released a new album. They still haven't released, like, they've released one single by the looks of things uh, uh, I, I think, in 2019. I think it was, I think it was two or three. I think they've done two or three singles, but not, not an album. Yeah, but so they haven't done an album. And they're just sort of hanging around, really, like just like a bad smell, like a bad smell. Mm. Um, but nobody seems to like. I mean, the, the last word should go to Shant Hackian, in, uh, who's the, when you Google him, because I was like, what, what? What's people's beef with this guy? What is people's beef with this guy? Um, in 2018, he tweeted, "Most claims of sexism stroke racism are total bullshit. This isn't the 60s. Get a grip," which is quite a bold tweet. I have to say, um, Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die, who's a hero to us all, um, was one of the many people to call him a cunt. Fair. Mm. Uh, and I, I can't remember. I mean, I did actually look up the whole kind of exchange. And at one point, Shant Hackian was like, oh, this guy's a legend. And we went on tour with them. They were great. And like did a link to Keith Buckley's book. And Keith Buckley just went, fuck off, mate. I don't need your link to my book. Like, you don't. I don't want you trying to flog my book for me. Like, go away. Um, they're from the same town aren't they both from buffalo buffalo yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um i mean look you know i'm not i'm not asking you to pick sides between <laughs> shant hacky and we don't have to we don't have to do that if, i'm just saying if you choose not to pick keith buckley's side i would probably question your life choices if you choose not to if you if you don't choose keith buckley you're a fucking moron <laughs> end yeah. of so there endeth um the sort of fairly dull uh, story of cute is what we aim for. And they're sort of in here just because I guess they're probably just a little bit more embarrassing than most pop punk bands. who kind of keep their head down and, you know, just keep themselves to themselves. They go on Warped Tour and they release a boring album. They really go on Warped Tour. Yeah, they have sex with a couple of 13 year old <laughs> girls. Of course they do. They all do. Every single, literally every single person we've mentioned on this podcast has definitely done that. But In your opinion. In my opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> but does it make them broken? Well, that, it does. Would. that does. Yeah. That does, yeah. Oh, but God. where do we put, where do we put rotation by cute is where we, what we aim for um, in this list? Well, look, I'm going to go on the um i'm going to assume that they haven't uh had any horrible sexual misconduct things seems like a very unwise assumption <laughs> on your part Andrew, i would have to say but, but i'm going to assume they haven't so i'm putting yeah, that right, aside i'm putting that aside um uh this isn't 
uh, I was about to say this isn't a bad album. Uh, it's not a very good album, um, but it's certainly not broken. It's perfectly serviceable for what it is. And, um, you know, there are pop punk bands that I like who have released albums that are worse than this, I think. You know, so um, I am hovering around the sort of 21 to 24 mark, which is mm-hmm. Limp Bizkit Results May Vary, Mick Jagger Primitive Call, Bush Black and White Rainbows and Van Halen 3. Because... Can I just say before we go any further, I think this album is probably more successful than all of those records. Uh, um, what? Well, uh, what? Well, uh, uh, surely not commercially you mean you mean more successful yeah i mean successfully artistically successful of what it's set out to do i see i think it's i mean certainly if you've got i mean looking at it now in in my memory i'm like well maybe did we fuck up by putting mick jagger below van halen three because van but but certainly like for me this is a much more musically successful record than van halen three hmm but then the next one is William Shatner, the Transformed Man, and I just get so much joy out of that. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be happy to put this in between Van Halen Three and the and William Shatner's The Transformed Man because I think there are things on Results May Vary which are just fucking terrible, and Limp mm. Bizkit are a better band than that. Mick Jagger, there's some sort of all right stuff on the second half of that, but when it's embarrassing, it's absolutely embarrassing. Yeah. Black and white rainbows. As well. Black and white rainbows again is a bad, bad, bad record it's from boring. a band who are capable of mm. more. And Van Halen Three is an album which has got some good moments on it, but is smothered by ego and you know, like just too, a lack of editing. Whereas there's nothing on this album that you'd say, oh, they should have desperately needed to change that. Oh God, that's so embarrassing. That's terrible. Oh. You know, it's not good by any stretch of the imagination, but it's really like there's nothing uniformly musically wrong with it in a lot of ways. Do you know what I mean? No, I think I so agree. I, I think that's sort of where it should go, personally. Yeah, um, I, you've convinced me. I think that's a perfectly good argument. Okay, uh, well, we'll knock it down a bit when... Uh, we'll knock it down a few places when all the stories of all the... <laughs> Little girls they've had sex with come out. Um, but for the moment, that is <laughs> that is what... A lot of editing for you this week, isn't it, MMP? It's quite a lot. Of... And the thing is, I can't be asked to do it, so I'm not sure if I will. <laughs> we'll, see. well, that's kind of why I did it, because I thought, if I, if I don't hammer that home enough, you'll just edit it out. <laughs> and I don't want that. I don't want that. Yeah. Um, there you go. In between Van Halen 3... And William Shatner's A Transformed Man goes cute is what we aim for. Record 32 into the broken record list. And I'm going to get another one out. I've got my hand. I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to really reach around this week. <laughs> like a member of Good Charlotte in a preschool <laughs> pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, good. Well, it's going to be different next week. Because we've got Neil Young and the Shocking Pinks. Everybody's rocking. We like Neil Young. Yeah, we do. Oh, okay. like Neil Young. Yeah. Uh, but by all accounts, it's not a great album. So there you go. We'll be back next week 
with uh, us chatting about Neil Young probably will be slightly more respectful than than it has been this week. To be honest, I doubt but, we'll be. You... I doubt we'll be insinuating that he's a massive feed of ours. Certainly, nah, nah, <laughs> doubtful. Very unlikely. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the show. Hope you've enjoyed that. If you want to listen to us be a bit more serious, go and listen to us on Riot Act every week. On the Friday, we will review the best new music of the week. And you can go to patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast where we do all kinds of exciting classic album and your suggestion type looks at different records. But we'll be back next week. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>